and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Upon hearing those words from an angel of the Lord, the shepherds went to Bethlehem. They searched the barns and stables and found the Christ child. They knew they had found him because they found a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. That was the sign that confirmed his identity. The Magi traveled from the east in search of a king because they had seen his star in the sky. And they rejoiced exceedingly when the star led them to the house where the child was. They knew they had found the king because the star had been a sign. Both the shepherds and the magi had been given signs to identify the Son of God. But when the Pharisees asked for a sign, Jesus refused to give them what they wanted. And when Herod Antipas, a son of Herod the Great, finally met the Jesus he had heard so much about and asked him to perform a miraculous sign for him, Jesus did nothing and said nothing. Both were, however, later given a sign that should have convinced them, convicted them, and converted them. In fact, they were given the same sign we were given that convinced, convicted, and converted us. So what was that sign. Well, it wasn't a manger and it wasn't a star. It was something far greater than that. What was it? It was the sign of Jonah. Now, you may not even know what the sign of Jonah is, but I'm still certain that the sign that convinced you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior was the sign of Jonah. So let's take a look at that sign and see if you don't agree. We're in Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 40. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign shall be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. The scribes and Pharisees were challenging Jesus to perform some miraculous sign that would convince them. You know, if he would throw down his walking stick and turn it into a snake like Moses did, 
then they'd believe he was God's messenger. Or if he'd call down fire from heaven like Elijah did, then, then they would listen to him. But would they? Would they? They'd already seen him miraculously heal the multitudes. And they had just seen him free a man from demon possession and restore his sight and and his speech. But what did they do? They said he cast out demons by demonic power. That was ludicrous, and they knew it. But they did not want to believe he was from God. The request was hypocritical. They were challenging him to change their mind after their mind was made up. They weren't going to believe a sign any more than did Pharaoh or Jezebel. Pharaoh's court magicians weren't impressed. They just made more snakes. And Jezebel wasn't afraid of Elijah or his God, even after fire came down from heaven and the prophets of Baal were all killed. Jesus knew the kind of sign they were demanding would accomplish nothing. They were evil. They were unfaithful. They just wanted to see something exciting. They wanted a religious show. So Jesus refused to perform for them. But he did tell them they would be given a sign, the sign of Jonah. He wasn't writing them off. They would still be given a chance to believe, and they would be given a sign that could convince them if they were willing to believe. And that sign would be his resurrection from the dead. That is the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, don't let the three days and three nights cause you a problem. You know, Jesus was crucified on Friday afternoon and was buried before sundown. He was therefore in the tomb part of Friday day, all of Friday night, all of Saturday day, and perhaps all of Saturday night, arising before dawn on Sunday. Now, according to our way of counting days and nights, That's at most only three days and two nights. And that has led some to insist that Jesus had to have been crucified on Thursday or even Wednesday to fulfill the sign of Jonah. But the evidence is overwhelming that Jesus died on Friday and he rose on Sunday morning. How do we resolve that? Well, I think the solution comes from an understanding of the way the Jews reckoned time and the fact that they considered part of a day to be equal to the whole day. For as Rabbi Eliezer wrote in the first century, 
a day and a night make an ona, 24-hour period, and the portion of an ona is reckoned as an ona. So to them, a little piece of a day was the same as a full day, a 24-hour period. And then there's another piece to that. Since the Jews begin a day at sundown instead of sunup, what we would call Thursday night would be the beginning of their Friday. That means their Friday night would come before their Friday day. You got that? This is confusing. I have worked on how to say this all week long. And I read it this morning, and I said, huh? But hang in there. Now, I know it's hard for us to see this. But to Jewish minds, they had three days and three nights. They had a Friday night and day, a Saturday night and day, and a Sunday night and day. Even just a little piece of one right before the sun came up. Because a little piece of one makes a whole one, okay? You got it? I don't. You know, it's hard for us to find three days and three nights. And that may be why Luke, who was writing to Gentiles, doesn't even mention three days and three nights when writing of the sign of Jonah. Now, he doesn't even mention it when writing to Gentiles. But uh, it was no problem for the Jews, and Matthew was writing to the Jews. The bottom line is simply that the sign of Jonah was the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. As Jonah came forth from the belly of the great fish or sea monster on the third day, so would Jesus arise from the grave, the heart of the earth, on the third day. The Pharisees would see the evidence that that did in fact happen. But what would they do with it? Did it accomplish God's purpose in the life of the scribes and Pharisees? More importantly, what have we who live on this side of the resurrection, who live in light of the ultimate sign done with it? Has it accomplished God's intended purpose in our life? Let's think about that as we discern the purpose of the sign and see what Jesus knew their response would be. 41 and 42. The men of Nineveh shall stand up with this generation at the judgment and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south shall rise up with this generation at the judgment and shall condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus didn't expect the Pharisees to respond positively to the sign of Jonah and history bears out that they didn't. They were so opposed to Jesus that when the soldiers reported that he had in fact risen from the grave, they paid them 
to say that the disciples had stolen the body. Jesus knew they wouldn't repent. And because of that, he said the men of Nineveh would stand up on Judgment Day and condemn them for refusing to repent. You see, the purpose for the sign wasn't just for religious titillation. The purpose for the sign was to bring repentance. The men of Nineveh had repented when Jonah emerged from the belly of the fish and preached to them. They gave up their rebellion against God and repented in sackcloth and ashes. Everyone in Nineveh fasted. Everyone in Nineveh, from the king to the beasts of burdens, covered themselves or were covered with sackcloth and ashes. And God relented. 120,000 people discovered the compassion of God. Those of Jesus' own generation who would refuse to repent even after witnessing the Son of God come forth from the grave would find no such compassion. The refusal to repent would condemn them and they would be without excuse. For if the men of Nineveh repented after hearing the preaching of a prophet who had merely survived three days in the belly of a fish, there'd be no excuse for them not to repent after witnessing the Son of God come back to life after three days in the tomb. What they were about to witness would be far greater than what the men of Nineveh had witnessed. And his purpose was to bring them to repentance and to make them listen to what Jesus had to say. But they wouldn't repent and they wouldn't listen. They didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say. The Queen of Sheba had traveled from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon, and had marveled at his wisdom, the scribes and Pharisees refused to listen to one who was far greater than Solomon. And they didn't have to go anywhere to hear him. He was in their midst, but they closed their ears to his message and were condemned because of it. The sign of Jonah should have brought them to repentance. It should have opened them up to the wisdom of God's plan for redeeming mankind, but they would not let it happen. They wouldn't let God change them. And that was the purpose for the sign. It was given to convince men of the need to change completely, to die to an old way of life, to bury the old self and to rise to walk in newness of life, empowered by the Spirit of God. To respond in any other way to the sign of Jonah is to put oneself in danger of eternal condemnation. And Jesus went on to make that danger 
very clear. 43 through 45. Now when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will also be with this evil generation. You know, even if the Pharisees would have responded to the sign of Jonah by repenting of their sins and ridding their lives of blatant evil activity, it wouldn't have lasted unless they would have also accepted Jesus as the Lord of their lives and invited him to come into their hearts. You see, it's never enough to just get the evil out. You've got to put something in its place. It's not enough to just cast out a demon. If that's all that's done for someone under Satan's control, the relief will be temporary. For the absence of an evil spirit only creates a spiritual vacuum. And Jesus said, even if the house has been swept clean, the demon will come back. When he sees the house is unoccupied, no matter how neat and orderly and clean it might be, he will move back in. And he will bring with him seven more demons, even more wicked than himself. Obviously, a person would be worse off with eight demons than just one. See, repentance requires more than simply getting sin or a demon out of a life. Repentance requires a change that can only come when something new is put into that life. If you only heed the sign of Jonah enough to get a sin or two out of your life, you'll actually become worse than you were before. In fact, even if you could get all of them out, you'd still be worse off because they'd come back with a vengeance. It's never enough just to get the evil out. You've got to put something good in. The sign of Jonah is the death, burial, and resurrection. And Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is intended to cause us to experience a death, a burial. And a resurrection. It's not enough to die to sin. It's not enough to bury an old life. 
You must be born again. You must come back to life. And we come to life in Jesus only when we let Him fill our spiritual void with His Holy Spirit. When we allow Him to live His life through us. And He arose from the grave and ascended into the spiritual realm to be able to do just that. But he'll do it for you only if you let him come into your heart. So don't ignore the sign of Jonah. Repent and let the risen Christ come into your heart. That's our prayer today. Let's stand.